Sigar is a chemist who went from atheist to Christian and has an amazing backstory that I hope you really get something out of. But I also want to tell you that he has two books that you can follow if you enjoy this video. First, The Works of His Hands that has already been released, and then Science and Faith in Harmony, his new book that I hope you'll pick up right after the video. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. And after the show, run over to patreon.com slash trinityradio to gain access to a Q&A where Braxton presses Cy about his otherworldly experiences. I, uh, I am a uh, scientist. I have a PhD in biochemistry. I published about, well, well over 200 uh, peer-reviewed papers in the literature. I've been a tenured professor at three universities, and uh, I've also worked at the NIH. He's a fascinating voice in the science and faith discussion. I grew up in a family of very strong uh, atheists and communists. My parents were members of the American Communist Party in the 30s. I did believe that religion was evil and, uh, and, and responsible for all or most of the bad things that happened in world history. Two world trade just collapsed, copy. To understand more about his story, let's get back to Sai growing up in an atheist communist household. Their atheism was uh, probably at least at the level of some of the most militant atheists around today, which was unusual at the time. And I grew up uh, with an absolute certainty that there was no God, the whole idea of God was ridiculous. My father was also a chemist, so he was also a scientist, and I believed in the materialistic uh, worldview very strongly. I spent, I guess, most of my childhood and early uh, years, including through early adulthood, uh, as an atheist uh, who just never really thought about the idea of religion or God, when I would encounter someone who was either Christian or some other religion, I just thought they were delusional and I never really discussed it. This was in the days before new atheism when atheists were encouraged to, you know, uh, actually confront <laughs> the evils of religion and the falseness of everything related to God. I did believe that religion was evil and, uh, and, and responsible for all or most of the bad things that happened in world history. So now I'm a Christian and how did that happen? <laughs> uh, it, the answer is it happened very slowly and really in sort of a two-step process. Uh, I, in, in graduate school, and as I was studying uh, science, had a bachelor's degree in chemistry, so I learned some physics as well, uh, and then I went into biochemistry in grad school. And as I was studying that, I, I really loved science, every part of it. It fulfilled 
what I realized later was that it fulfilled something that I was missing in my life. I now think of that something as spirituality, something, you know, beyond yourself, something that gives you a reason to a purpose in life, uh, make, you know, gives you fulfillment. And science did all of that for me. Plus the, the great thing about it was it was demonstrably true and everybody agreed that it was true. So that was nice. Uh, and so I, I was really excited to learn, you know, the, the details and the secrets of advanced biochemistry, which uh, some of those things are just not well known by the general public because it, it takes a lot of effort to, to really understand and learn that material. But once you do, it's, it's quite astonishing. And um, I remember learning, sitting in a classroom and learning about some of the details of some of the biochemical processes that go on in all cells and just feeling, a, a, you know, a sense of amazement. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called it that at the time, but now I can say it was almost a sense of worship, a sense of uh, something extraordinary. Uh, and, and so that's, well, that was how I started uh, out uh, and that continued for quite a while. Uh, however, there were a few little cracks in, in my worldview. Um, some of them were actually political. I, one thing I couldn't understand was, of course, I was very active in civil rights. Uh, this is in the 60s, and I was very interested in, in you know, justice and fair, fairness for African-Americans. Uh, and I couldn't understand why so many of them were Christians. That didn't make sense to me. Uh, you know, I, I went to a, a very left-wing camp couple of years and uh, we used to sing Negro spirituals and, and that included you know references to Jesus Christ who I knew was a made-up mythical being uh, and the way it was explained to me because I did ask <laughs> I did ask some of the adults around you know why are we singing go tell it on the mountain and things like that I mean you know Jesus Christ is born I thought he never lived and the answer was interesting quite racist actually <laughs> the answer was well you know the black people were slaves they're not well educated they didn't learn the reality this made them feel better you know christianity this is the whole idea of christianity being a a way to make people feel good when they're having miserable lives and and okay i accepted that at the time although later uh i began to realize that this was a pretty racist idea um, Though these things prodded at his worldview, there were a couple of scientific questions that were particularly worrying to Sai. Well, it was kind of weird, but what really got me was what I was learning, what I had learned in, in quantum mechanics. When you're a chemist, you have to be able to, or at least know what the Schrodinger equation is, you have to be able to solve it. I couldn't understand what that was all about. I mean, yeah, I could do it. I, you know, you, you learn how to solve these equations. But the whole idea that, you know, when I was learning about Planck's constant and the idea that energy comes in packets, it's not continuous. When I thought about that, I said, wait a minute, what? I mean, that's like saying, I want to walk from here into my bedroom, but I'm not going to pass anything on the way. I'm just going to get there from here to there. And in quantum theory, you go from a high energy level to a low energy level without passing in between. 
You don't pass anything in between the. So, and that that's true. <laughs> this is not. It sounds crazy. It sounds supernatural, but it's not. It's it's what we now know is true fact. Uh, and and my thoughts were, well, why? You know, this doesn't jive with what I'd been, what I'd been taught, and what I thought I knew about the mechanical, materialistic universe. Uh, you know, I was still under the influence, as we, as we all were at that point, of. 19th century、uh, type of scientific mechanistic materialism, the clockwork universe, which we now know is is just a model <clears throat> and doesn't explain anything at all. So that got me confused, and and the more I, I so I started actually reading about that,、uh, not just in textbooks, but books that talked about the strange aspects of quantum theory and some other parts of physics. That didn't quite jive with materialism, and、uh, that shook me quite a bit. This did not make me a theist. I did not believe in God,、uh, but I started wondering if perhaps I was missing something. Perhaps I had that sense of spirituality that I wanted, that sense of purpose, but there was something about reality, about nature, that、uh, wasn't being captured by strong materialism. And later, of course, many other scientists have come to similar views, and there are a lot of books that have been written about this、uh, idea that you know the universe is is much more complicated and much more difficult to understand than we think. And then, of course, along came things like the Big Bang, and、uh, you know the idea that the universe actually had a beginning. I read.、Uh, I think it was Paul Davies at first, the the、uh, or Martin Rees'、uh, books about the fine tuning of the cosmological constants, which didn't make sense to me at all. Why? Why? You know, why should these values of the strong force? There's anywhere from four to fifteen of these numbers, these constants in physics that are just perfect to allow for. Planets and stars and everything else in the universe, and if they were slightly different, the universe would be just a lot of hydrogen atoms, and that's it. And I, you know, so, so it, you know, even all the atheist scientists who were writing about this, including Martin Rees, were just saying we we don't know we don't know why.、Uh, some were saying things like this looks like it was planned, <laughs> it was designed. Uh, and everything was tuned, so that struck me. And I think what finally happened was, with all these doubts sort of caving in on me, I, I became an agnostic. I was no longer certain that I knew the truth about the world. I knew the truth about、um, about religion, about God.、Uh, Or about science, in fact, that science was the answer to everything. I, I had come to the conclusion that science was not the answer to everything. I had come to the conclusion that science doesn't tell tell me why I love the music of Bach and the Beatles, <laughs> or why you know I'm in love,、um, and I've been in love a lot. <laughs> and and what is all that about? And and so many other things,、uh, art, you know, creativity. We don't have good scientific explanations, and of course, we may eventually find them. As for everything else, but maybe not.
And so I, I got to this agnostic thing where I just didn't want to think about it anymore. I, never call, I didn't call myself an atheist anymore. I didn't know what I was. And what that did was it took away all of my certainty that I knew, I knew what I was, I knew about everything. And, it, and I was left open uh, and able to absorb new stuff. And this is where the story of the experiential side of things begins. And one of the new things that happened to me around somewhere around there was uh, I met several people who were Christians, one of whom uh, was a good friend, and she asked me if I would go to church with her. I had never been in any house of worship in my life. This is in my, I'm in my 40s. Uh, I was terrified to go into a church. I thought, you know, that would, I, I would walk in, everyone would turn around and stare at me and point at me, and the priest or the pastor would yell sinner, and fire and brimstone would be thrown at me. I, I'm exaggerating, but only a little. <laughs> I was really, really worried, and I refused to go for quite a while, and finally I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go. And it was a Catholic church, uh, and um, I was uh, amazed at what happened, which was exactly the opposite of what I expected. Nobody said anything bad to me. <laughs> Somebody even shook my hand and said, peace of Christ to me, which I didn't know what that meant, but okay, it was nice. And, and the sermon was all about love. It had nothing to do with sin, <laughs> hell, brimstone, you know, uh, internal damnation, uh, or any of the stuff I was imagining. And that was that was a, a that was a, a, a real shock. And uh, that's not what I had heard about Christianity. <laughs> so uh, the next step was that I decided to look at the Bible. For myself because I had never done so and I just thought it was garbage uh, and I started reading at the beginning which was a mistake because I didn't really much like Genesis <laughs> I didn't much like the whole Old Testament when I skimmed through it a bit but I went to the New Testament and I uh, I read uh, I think the first book I read was the book of Acts and uh, that was astonishing to me and I went back and looked at the Gospels and at that point, I started thinking, wow, this is really interesting. Too bad it's all fake. I mean, it can't possibly be real. Uh, you know, nobody rises from the dead. But wouldn't that be nice <laughs> if it were true? And, you know, the whole wishful thinking thing. I went through all the stages, as you're beginning to hear, uh, all the stages that people talk about uh, on the way out of Christianity. You know, they begin to suddenly realize that <laughs> it's all wishful thinking and they go through everything else. I was doing the same route in the other direction. And so the wishful thinking thing lasted for a while, but it, it really it was nice, you know, but there was no way I, I couldn't get myself to even consider the idea of believing in this. However, uh, and here's where the second stage really comes in. Uh, I had a number of dreams that were 
very difficult for me to understand because they occurred to the first two occurred while I was still an atheist. The first one, which I don't think I've talked about before, it might be mentioned briefly in my book, uh, which I'll mention more about in a minute. Uh, the first one happened when I think I was in my early 20s, and it was a dream that I walked into my old high school, uh, the building of my old high school, where I'd been very happy. I had a very nice high school experience. And as I walked in, I noticed that there were people I knew on both sides. I was walking down a hallway as if I were some, you know, special person uh, being greeted. And there was absolutely beautiful music playing. I, I happen to be a musician, and music has always been very, very important. I, uh, the high school I went to was the High School of Music and Art in New York, and uh, I, I was a musician. And so I had this amazing feeling of joy, which I don't think I'd ever experienced before. And the, the crazy thing about this was that when I woke up, I still had it. And in fact, I found that for years I could summon it back. And it was indescribable. It was just, I could think about that dream and I would suddenly feel joyous. Like there was something that was joyful. And I didn't know anything, I didn't know what that was. I, 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 it was completely inexplicable to me. I had no idea what this could have, could be, okay? Uh, Christians listening are probably laughing because, you know, obviously this was a call from the Holy Spirit, but I had never heard of the Holy Spirit. I had no idea what this was. So that was the first dream. And much later, I had another dream, which I have talked about and which is in my book. The book, by the way, is called The Works of His Hands, An Atheist's Journey from, sorry, A Scientist's Journey from Atheism to Faith. It was published by Kriegel in 2019, and it's uh, available in stores and, and also on Amazon. And and I talk about uh, this, I mentioned this, this first dream here, and it was a very odd uh, dream. Uh, and it was terrifying at first because I'm afraid of heights and I was holding on with my bare hands onto the edge of a cliff hanging down. And uh, I didn't, I thought I was, I was just absolutely terrified. I thought I was going to die any minute. And then I heard a voice that said, just let go. And I said to myself, well, this is nuts. How can I let go? I'll fall down. The voice repeated, just let go. And I figured, well, I could hardly hold on anyway, so I let go. And as I did in the dream, the, the world turned 90 degrees so that instead of being vertical, I was lying on the ground holding on to a boulder. And I woke up and I had no idea what that was about. It was a very powerful dream. I can still see it now. And I had no idea what let go of what, 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 what was that all about? Who was this person? <clears throat> and I just sort of put it away, uh, didn't know what to do with it. Later, I realized that the voice, which of course came from Jesus, was um, 
telling me to let go of so much stuff that was in the way of my coming to faith. All the baggage that I had that was telling me that, uh, you know, the concept of faith in God is, is nonsense. All of that early uh, brainwashing <laughs> that I had undergone uh, as a child uh, about communism and atheism and everything else was time to let go of all that. I didn't know that at the time, though. And then the second dream, which again is also in the book, uh, I was walk I was uh, walking towards a garden, a very large, beautiful garden with a very high wall around it. But I knew there was something really special inside, and I wanted to get in. And I kept trying to climb up, up the wall, couldn't do it, couldn't get there. And uh, I kept walking around looking for a place to climb up. And, and finally, I was getting very frustrated. And there was a man who was there. And he said, what, what are you trying to do? What's your problem? And I said, I want to get in. And he said, there's the door. Go in. I always get a little <laughs> emotional on this one. So I walked in and there and there was the garden and I was inside and I woke up and this time I knew what I knew who he was and I knew what the dream was uh, because by then I had been reading the gospel or I just started reading the gospel but I had not actually read the line that said that says uh, knock and it shall be open uh, because I, I remember when I did read it <laughs> and I said oh that was in my dream. So, you know, I hadn't seen it before. Uh, and uh, that was a very powerful experience. And at that point, I started thinking, you know, I'd gone to church a few more times and I was thinking, I, I really need to get here. I need to do this. But I couldn't do it. I couldn't get over. I kept saying, you're a scientist. You can't believe in this. It's just, you it was so hard. And finally, the Holy Spirit probably threw up his hands and said, okay, I got to get involved with this guy. He's not going to come by himself. In the space of one car ride, two messages came, one from the radio and one from somewhere else. And, and then I had a waking experience where I was driving my car and listening uh, again, this is also in the book, uh, listening to a, a preacher on the radio. This was somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania. And I was listening to the preacher, and he was really good. I wasn't really listening to what he was saying, but, oh, his voice was terrific. Uh, his, you know, intonation. Uh, probably like you, Braxton. I mean, it was really, uh, you know, <laughs> it was it was really good. The Word of God is dated. It's out of date. Nobody can expect a modern, sophisticated man to live by the precepts of the Word of God. So as a result of that, the Word of God ceases to be the measuring instrument by which they regulate their lives. The Word of God just is to be ignored. Listen, and, 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 and I, I finally I turned it off and I said to myself, well, I like to talk. I wonder, I mean... What would I do if I, if I gave a sermon? That would be funny. 
and I started thinking, well, I probably talk about science and you know biology and how that fits in with some ideas about God. And and then uh, and then I had this weird feeling, which I cannot I cannot describe, but I started preaching a sermon a sermon to myself. I don't know if I spoke it out loud or if it just was mental, but. I remember the words, and uh, that sermon, which is written in the book because I had written it down later, uh, was all about love and the fact. And, and, I, and I, I could see myself talking to a crowd, actually, uh, a crowd of people, and in some kind of an outdoor, like I said. A, must have seen some photos of tent revivals or something like that, and I was, I was telling them that Jesus Christ, if they were worried that Jesus that they were sinners and that Jesus Christ was upset with them, they shouldn't because he loved them, and I know that because he loved even me. And if he could love me, who could he not love? I, those those were not my words. They didn't come from me. They they came from outside, and they came through me. And I pulled the car over. Actually, I pulled it over earlier, luckily, and I just broke down and uh, and I and I became a believer. And that's where I am today. <laughs>